Our one-year anniversary is coming up from our first episode, so if you guys have any questions for us, for me or for Emma, or anything about the podcast that you would like to know, we'll probably be having a short section in that episode, episode 52, where we go over some questions, go over some you know, statistics, things like that. So please reach out, let us know. We'll be collecting those for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we want to know what you're, you guys are interested in, because... You're the ones who make the podcast work, so... Yeah, we'll, we'll figure out something to talk about briefly. We'll also have a normal episode, of course, where right. we're discussing... I don't know what this is, chapter 22, Two. so we'll be discussing chapter 24. Unless it's 23 is a beast to talk about. That's true, I suppose. We could <laughs> always end up splitting that one. But yeah, let us know if you have any questions, if you want to want us to touch on anything, or I've always been wondering something about our podcast or how we, you know, produce it or anything like that. We'll, uh, we'll go over some things. We'll be happy to answer. <laughs> this is our 50th episode. I know. That's so many. Yeah, quite a few, quite a few, that's for sure. That's so weird to think about. The big 5-0, or over the hill. I've heard it rumored that you don't truly know what you're doing in podcasting until you hit 100 episodes. That's fair. But I truly believe I do not know anything. So, <laughs> so I don't know that 50 more episodes are going to bring me much knowledge. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy. I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. This week we're discussing... This week we're discussing... <laughs> chapter 22, Birik. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to start off an episode here. <laughs> Number five by, zero. By discussing. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of this chapter talks a little bit more about Lady Patience. Which is a little bit fitting when we have the uh, the Biric title of the chapter. Of course. And, and instantly go back into Lady Patience's history, where she came from. Mm-hmm. And she's from Inland Stock. Very minor nobility. I'm very curious as to who wrote this section, because it does not sound very Fitz-like. Not really, but also this could be one of the sections where... He was successful in the voice that he wanted for his histories and didn't insert anything of his own into it. Because we do have some small paragraphs of that in the beginning of the first book Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I feel like it still could be. It could be just some other historian as well. It just felt really weird to hear. Fedrin, maybe. (laughs) Felt weird to hear Lady Patience referred to as inland stock. Like animal (laughs) (laughs) well that's very fix fits like so i suppose but i don't hear him normally talk about people in an animalistic way but maybe in a when he tries to get into a professional tone for writing it he thinks more like burek or something (laughs) who knows yeah it kind of just goes into that uh she was born to lord oakdale and lady aviria very minor nobility in inland from the inland duchies Married the prince of the realm, who disappointed his father, 
by doing that, the first big disappointment for that. And she was still a highly eccentric woman who said her opinions no matter how unpopular they were. And her parents died in the year of the Blood Plague, and she was childless and presumed barren when her husband Chivalry fell to his death from a horse. I wonder when the Blood Plague was. Yeah, me too. Because... Obviously, it's before Fitz came into their life. Or, I mean, isn't that when Desire died around the time of the plague? Or am I making that detail up? I don't remember anything about plague from that. Uh, She died when... She was still alive when Fitz came to Buckkeep and died probably when he was around eight or nine, I think. Right. I don't exactly remember the the age, but... Mm. I don't remember any other mention of plague, so I think the plague was before that. Okay. I do know that there is a plague referenced next book series in the Rainwild Traders, but I don't know if that's the The same. live ship traders. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I was mixing <laughs> Rain up Rainwild Chronicles, Chronicles. <laughs> yeah. and live ship traders. In the live ship traders, I'm pretty sure they talk about a plague. They do, but I but thought that was in reference to when the first traders arrived to the Bingtown area, and then they pretty much all died out, except mm-hmm. for like a few. If you remember, there's one also that happens f- for Althea's parents' generation mm. that happens, and it takes a lot of the good kids with it or something okay i again maybe i'm misremembering don't there's, quote me there but. i know there's lots of talk about some of the traders not like younger traders not understanding why they mm-hmm. talk with the rain wild traders because they do bring diseases and things like that right so because right. that's why efren stopped trading down yeah, the river because it killed right. somebody in their family yeah that's right and he didn't want to bring it back ever again so that's why i'm wondering if it's because we know the rain wilds, the further back it goes, goes into the mountains, which is near Buckkeep. So it's possible that the Near-ish, blood plague could have <laughs> come all the way around. I don't know. Yeah, or through the mountain kingdom yeah. or something, but or just from the traders themselves. Right. So we don't know. But I thought it was interesting because I think this is really the only time we hear about a blood plague here in this series i feel like or it's a been plague mentioned. of any kind i feel like it's been mentioned but just offhand maybe i could be wrong maybe by jade when they're maybe. traveling i don't know for sure i suppose i shouldn't make sweeping statements like that if i don't know for sure but <laughs> it it just felt this time around as an important thing like huh that's a weird that was an event that was yeah that could have been continents wide and we don't really know much about it yeah so we jump into the story with Fitz here being woken up gently and he was surrounded by warmth and gentleness. He didn't move. He kind of searched himself for more pain because remember he had passed out with his back against the door. Yes. The previous night after Justin and Serene had harassed him and Justin had crawled through his mind inflicting a bunch of pain on him. And Fitz had just gone through the skill ordeal with King Shrewd. And he wakes up in his bed with Molly next to him. Yes. 
reading this, I had to go back and reread the last paragraph of the previous chapter because I, I was like, I thought he was not in his bed. And then I was like, I should have just kept reading. Like, <laughs> it goes over it. Yeah, literally a, a comment here. I didn't remember getting here. <laughs> yeah, it's just in my copy. That's the next page. So I didn't see it. <laughs> and she says, you are so strange sometimes, but I love you. She closed her eyes again. And Fitz immediately is calling out for Night Eyes, because remember, Fitz let something go and let Night Eyes watch over him. Yes. And I think this kind of confirms what I was thinking of, is that he let go of some of his humanity and just kind of like, it's what led Fitz eventually into learning how to, you know, join into Night Eyes' body. Okay. I think they kind of switch places here because Night Eyes obviously controlled Fitz's body without Fitz knowing it. Right. That's a good point. I see it more of a Fitz letting go for sure. I still stand by what I thought of it, of yeah. more of like a fear of having to always be on your guard. But I do see this as Night Eyes doing what Fitz later does to him. Mm -hmm. Just living in his brain, rent-free. <laughs> right. Fitz kind of grasps the implications of what has happened, and Night Eyes is trying to explain himself a little bit. He says, I tried to rouse you, you're not ready to come back. Which, that line right there, you are not right. ready to come back, is what makes me think... That he was kind of just curled up in Night Eyes' body and he couldn't really fully recall him. Or at least the the path between the two, that mental link where it's not fully in his own body and he's just forgetting his pains. Uh-huh. And then Night Eyes says, you were not ready to come back. That other one had drained you. That other one is our king. Your king. Wolves have no kings. What did I let the thought trail... Thank you for guarding me. He sensed my reservations. What should I have done? Turned her away? She was grieving. I don't know. Let us not talk of it. Molly was sad, and he had comforted her? I didn't even know why she was sad. Had been sad, I amended, looking at the soft smile on her sleeping face. I sighed. The implication here is that Molly showed up to his room. And she says so later, I shouldn't have come, you know. Mm -hmm. But Fitz was not was unconscious and not in his body. And Night Eyes took over and comforted Molly. Yeah. And she specifically says, you make these new silences very interesting. She pus pushed my hand aside, kissed me warmly. Then she slid from my bed and began to dress briskly. Let us leave tonight as it is. Perfect. We'll talk nothing like that of now. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about the whole situation. I hate it. Yep. <laughs> it's weird to think about. Also, I understand why you wouldn't go in-depth in this section, because I don't really want to think about the larger implications either. So I get it. But I need to know, did, like... Night Eyes talk? It sounds like he did not because of Molly saying like these new silences. Right. It, it sounds like it was just passion. 
which is also very really, problematic. Yeah, don't love that either. I don't know. It's just such a weird. Also, so let's say Fitz doesn't didn't talk the whole time because it's not Fitz; it's Night Eyes. And Molly's like, "This was our best night ever. This is so great." Like, not for the other implication of you know the adult things that went down, but just her coming to him in a time of need and having him just listen and not disagree or talk back at all and she's like wow what a great boyfriend (laughs) that's so weird i don't know well we don't even know what all happened we don't even know if they did talk at all or if she talked at fits right i don't know it's very interesting it's yeah i don't want to spend too much time on it just because it really creeps me out to think about but there's a very big blurring of consent in here and yeah yeah not not good it's Mm -mm. it's like obviously it makes Fitz uncomfortable as well because he shies away from it Mm -hmm. he's like i don't even know like uh let's just not talk about this right and get to what's at hand but but also i don't know we don't know anything happened for sure right and maybe Night Eyes stopped things from going further. I don't know. Yeah. We'll never know. That's what I want to believe in my mind because otherwise it's really gross to think about. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those scenes where I'm glad we don't know too much more. Right. But I also feel like it's not great that Molly's never going to know. Yeah. And Fitz isn't going to ever dive any deeper into that. Oh, no. And no. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> well, Molly heads out, leaves for the morning, and Fitz waits because he knows he's got to report to Chade. He knows Chade is going to open up the door. And he doesn't have to wait too long. And he goes up to Chade's domain. And as Fitz is walking up, he's getting more worked up about this and kind of spits out aggressively, you have to listen to me. And Chade has a very odd reaction that instantly makes Fitz wary and kind of scared. What Chade did then put every hair on my body on end. He glanced all around himself as if we stood in the midst of a great crowd. Then he touched his own lips and made a gesture for softness. He leaned toward me until our heads were nearly touching. Softly. Softly, sit down. What is it? And that would be absolutely terrifying, honestly. Right. This this safe place, this mentor that you've had that is a state secret mm-hmm. that only how many people know? Shrewd, Verity, um The Fool. The Fool and Fitz. Five? Yep. Five people know that Chade exists. And he's literally in the walls. Yeah, and and all of a sudden he's like, we have to be very quiet. There's mm-hmm. people that might be listening. Yeah. I, it's scary, especially in the political climate that they're in right now with all the enemies that they have that Fitz knows of. Right. Well, this has a lot of implications because does Regal know about this place? Mm-hmm. Is he spying on it? Which we can get into later, but it's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. 
Before we get into that and before Chade explains why the need for caution and quiet is there, he asks Fitz to report everything, which he does, and Fitz leaves out nothing, revealing his link to Verity, and says, uh, talks about the incidents with the fool's beating, Ketrickin's offering to Burns, as well as his service to the king that evening, with Serene and then Justin in his room finishing it up. And Chade goes into teacher mode and just asks him to draw conclusions. Fitz asks for permission to speak plainly, and then he goes through his whole theory on Regal and what is happening at the moment in the kingdom. So that Regal knew that the king was dying of disease. Wallace was his tool to manipulate that, to keep the king sedated and open to Regal's manipulations. He's trying to discredit Verity and strip Buckkeep of every bit of wealth that he could. He's going to abandon some of the outer duchies and move inland because he doesn't care about the coast. And he's just trying to discredit Ketrikin as a foreigner with ambitions and also as a devious, disloyal wife. He wants to gather power to himself and take over some land, either all of six duchies itself or, you know, just the inland duchies and abandon that coast to the raiders. So there he always has a buffer between the raiders and the outer duchies. Right. And as he's telling this to Jade, he says it feels like a burden is being lifted off of his shoulders because Chade is going to know what to do. Right. Yeah. And it kind of hits home once more that this is a 17 year old boy in the middle of a very serious political conflict. And he doesn't know what to do. Right. So for as, as hard as we are on him for making all the worst choices, he is just a kid. And it's really hard to think about, the world as a whole when you're 17 yeah. <laughs> so i would like to acknowledge acknowledge that sometimes i'm mean but he is just a kid and it's also a fictional character so right. i shouldn't be so hard on him <laughs> he has to make the dumb choices to make this book work and he is intelligent he yeah. draws very sound conclusions from all these things mm -hmm. and chade kind of presses on that story a little bit asking you know there there's some plot holes and Fitz even fills him in saying what if the coterie is also disloyal and only loyal to regal that can be skilled in skilled in loyalty and what if they're just trying to make verity seem inept delaying messages not passing along all the messages everything goes through regal so they can really manipulate what is happening. Mm -hmm. And this freaks Chade out because he doesn't know anything about how the skill works. He asks, wouldn't Verity be able to tell if that was the case? And Fitz has to explain, no, he wouldn't because he can't be everywhere at once. And also Verity, his strength lies in being able to focus incredibly tightly on one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. So... If he were to watch the Coterie, he would have to leave off watching the coast. Yes. Which is an interesting thought just about how little is known of the skill to anybody else. Mm -hmm. Because if this were to come out, if they were to try to use this as like, see, Regal's not that great. He's using the Coterie. Nobody else would know how it works either. So it'd be very easy to spin it in whatever way Regal wants because nobody knows how it works. 
just one of the multiple ways that you know reducing the knowledge of the skill and training skill users has backfired on the farseers yeah well, by, by a lot yeah it seems like if you keep knowledge from everyday people they have to just infer whatever they're told yeah like imagine that weird it's almost like we should let people be informed <laughs> Chade has some counterpoints because it's Chade and he has to see both sides. He makes Fitz some tea here that relieves some of the pain that Fitz is feeling. And they kind of go over a little bit of of what could be an alternative as well. Chade proposes that maybe we just have a self-indulgent prince who pleases himself with entertainments for his flatterers while the heir is away. He neglects protecting his coastline because he is short-sighted and because he expects his brother will come home and tidy up his mess. He raids the treasury and sells off horses and cattle to amass wealth to himself while there is no one to stop him. Then why paint Burns as a traitor and set up Ketrakin as an outsider? Why spread rumors of ridicule about Verity and his quest? Jealousy. Regal has always been his father's spoiled pet. I do not think he would turn on Shrewd. Something in Chade's voice made me realize this is what he desperately wished to believe. I supply the herbs that Wallace administers to Shrewd for his pain. I do not doubt your herbs, but I think others are added to them. And at that point, Chade kind of asks him, what would be the point if Ver- if Shrewd dies, excuse me, Verity would become king then? And... Fitz has to point out, well, if Regal controls the Coteries, Verity could die, or news of Verity's death could be passed along as, you know, make, making it seem as if the Coterie had lost contact with him, and then he would be king either way, and they can deal with that later. Having that Coterie in Regal's pocket really changes things, especially in Chade's eyes. Right. Well, because that's a huge loss of power... Mm-hmm. For the good side, so to speak. Because all the common folk really believe the skill is a kingly thing and they can't even comprehend the possibilities. So anything that they're told from that, that right. mysticism of the royal magic, right. that has to be truth. Especially if it comes from a prince. Yeah. And it's really sad because I can't really think of a way that this could have been stopped other than not allowing a coterie to be made in the first place, which wasn't really an option right? because it was needed. So I guess maybe if they wouldn't have let Galen be the teacher, but that's impossible. (laughs) Yeah, he is the skill master, so they'd have to let him and nobody else is there to do it. I don't know. I just don't see it a way where at any point in this line it could have been broken. Right. Which is really scary and sad because that is a big blow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Throughout all this conversation, Fitz, with his new knowledge of being connected to Shrewd, is just kind of looking at Chade. He's kind of observing that Chade is getting older that his actions aren't as deft as they once were. He's kind of taking snapshots of him in his brain as he's making tea and just doing that little, you know, comfort action of putting teacups on a tray and getting something ready for him and just trying to take this all in because he has a realization that, you know, these people 
aren't immortal. <laughs> yeah, they could be gone in an instant. I also think it's really interesting. So at this point in time, Chade is what? In his 50s or 60s, we decided? Something like that. He could be. Yeah, I I would have to go back and, and listen to our episode of the ballpark that I gave. But it right. was Somewhere it's really that, hard to estimate. Yeah. And I think this is the age that Fitz is in the last trilogy. Yeah, I think I think Chade might be a little bit older than 60. Okay. In my in my head that seems right, but again, I don't know. The problem is I always think of Chade in these books as so old, but that's because we're having a kid tell us somebody's old. Yeah, so right. for all we know he's 40. Like <laughs> <laughs> Definitely this not. This is a teenager. Yeah. This is a teenager going, "Oh, he's so old and decrepit." Like he could be any age. I think he's 60s. Yeah, I would think that he's around 50 or like late 50s, mid 60s. Right. And I'm pretty sure that's about the age range Fitz is at the start of the final trilogy. He's like, I think exactly 60. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking about how in that final trilogy, it talks about how Fitz realizes his skills are going rusty. And throughout the books, we see him struggling with things that were easier when he was a young man that are now harder and don't come as easily to him. And it that's what this part reminded me of. And it kind of made me sad laugh a little. Like, this will come to you too, Fitz. And right. I don't know. It was just really interesting to see him, like, feeling sorry for Shrewd. Or Chade, I suppose. And then soon in the future, that will be him. I do want to say that the last trilogy is down to a lot of his own complacency. True. As well. But <laughs> Losing isn't skills. A, isn't a little bit of this Chade's complacency? He ha- he doesn't have the opportunity to move about freely, so it's not really fair to call it complacency. But he also has been thinking that things were okay before these last couple of years with the war. So maybe he let certain skills get rusty because... They're not super useful. And now all of a sudden, maybe the prince is collecting enough power to actually kill his father and overthrow the kingdom. Yeah, I I don't think, you know, that reading of this this paragraph about him looking at Shade, I didn't get the impression that Fitz was talking about his mental faculties or any of his, um, you know, spying or anything like that. It was purely physical and saying like oh your brother is riddled with disease and you're older than him and age is catching up to you kind of thing it wasn't necessarily losing skills as just aging and the inevitable at least that's what i got out of it i mean i don't think what i'm talking about necessarily has to do anything with mental capacity either it's just physical actions that used to be tuned and I don't want to say in shape but more well used and now they're not as coming as easily as they were before which is something that happens to Fitz. Fitz also gets lazy in his capacity to be a spy but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about but he does talk all the time about how He's not as quick with a sword anymore, and he's got a little bit of a gut, and that is a lot from the lifestyle he chooses to live in his later life. But I think, still, too, it's something that comes with time to everyone, I'm sure. definitely. 
So after that conversation and his report and their, their talking through of the different possibilities and Chade promising that he would watch out for those potential spies that Regal might have and watch them and be on the lookout for any sign of, you know, the Coterie doing things and, and things like that, everything that Fitz warned him about, the conversation turns to why they have to be quiet. And that's because Lord Bright is sleeping next door in Lady Time's old room, I would assume. It says a vacant room that is adjacent to the chamber that was once unoccupied has Lord Bright there, and he is the heir to the Duchy of Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. And it's Regal's cousin, and he's a very light sleeper. He's complained to servants of rats squeaking in the wall, and last night Slink overset a kettle, which with quite a clatter, and it awoke him. And he's overly curious, so he's tapping on the walls. He's asking the servants if there's spirits that walk around at night. And Chade thinks that he suspects that chamber exists, that Chade's bedroom exists. Fitz accepts that explanation, but also thinks that Chade is holding back something. But he also knows that he can't get Chade to say anything to him about right. it. So he kind of moves on, but also Fitz asks one last thing, if he's able to see the king every single night still. And Chade has to say no, that Regal seems to suspect that someone exists, maybe Chade. He doesn't know for sure or anything like that, but there's always seems to be more people around the kings, which makes meetings harder for him to do anything of that sort at night. Do you think the Duke of Pharaoh was placed in that room for a reason? Potentially. But also, before that, how would Regal suspect anything? The last we heard of him looking out for a spy or an assassin was when he killed Lady Time, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. She had a funeral, and it was all done. She, he sent sausages there. Well, information is getting to Verity somehow. Right. And they don't know who or what is doing it. How would they know that information is getting to Verity? Verity's so far away. Or is it just that the Coterie saw connections to Verity at some point? I don't know. They know Fitz is communicating with Verity in some way, I think, because there's that whole scene like two chapters ago where Fitz is talking to the king at the fire and Regal comes in and calls him a bunch of names. But after that, the fool is punished for talking to Verity. Yeah. So I don't know. I think he suspects somebody is in coots with the king maybe because the king should be dead by now and he's not and maybe that means somebody has to be helping him secretly i don't know i don't know why there would be reason to suspect somebody is living in your walls but presumably it's one too many things that shrewd lets or maybe not even shrewd Jade. jade let slip although shrewd is getting killed by skill and disease he could have said Chade's name he could have made comments about the person in the wall 
We don't know. Yeah, that's possible. I don't know. Lord Break could have been set there on purpose. It could just be... Uh, it could be a coincidence because Regal is inviting a lot of nobility from right. the inner duchies out to his parties. So who knows? Right. But also, he's a susp- suspicious man and here's a room that nobody's ever stayed in. It's always empty. And he's looking for a secret man in the wall. <laughs> How he has to get in there somehow. Maybe it's in through this bedroom. Bright's leaving soon, though, so Fitz need not worry about it. And after that, they have a discussion about the otherlings. Chade begins this and just wants to talk about what will happen if things go right. Mm-hmm. And as they should. We don't get much details on it. It's just Chade speaking with great hope and sincerity and even enthusiasm. Fitz tries to share it, but his belief was that the salvation of the six duchies depended on eliminating the viper in our midst. So Chade is really putting all of his eggs in one basket because I think he sees the truth that inevitably if they don't have an outside savior or if Prince Verity doesn't succeed in some capacity, Buckheap is going to go down. Yep. Well, the sad part is, is they, they could probably have taken care of the problem if Regal wasn't so disloyal to the crown. <laughs> right. If he didn't have his hands in the middle of everything and trying to make his brother look bad, they could have been successful. And or at least more successful than they've been. Yeah. We don't know if they could have beat them, maybe eventually, but... I mean, ideally, they would have Galen still alive and not turned against Verity. Right. They would have more coteries. They would. Those coteries would actually be you know, passing messages along to Verity. Mm-hmm. So we would have at least two, maybe three coteries of trained skill users assisting Verity. So right. I feel like, yeah, they could have been successful eventually. But that is not meant to be. So now they have to rely on some old fairy tales to hopefully be true. <laughs> and they're right. In a sense. Yeah. But also, it's very narrow-minded of Fitz to think... Well, everything will be okay if we just kill Regal because that won't fix all the problems. And in fact, that might cause way more problems than solve anything. He's very emotionally invested in this. Right. For good reason. Right. But it's not a great thing to to be invested in as a potential future advisor. Yes. We have a little time skip here where Fitz says he's... Trying to recover still from the pain, he's walking around Buckkeep. There's storms outside, blessedly, so they don't really have to worry about raids or anything like that. And he is avoiding Justin and Serene in every room. He's uh, avoiding Regal, and Will is recalled as well. Mm-hmm. And then one morning, he is woken by a very loud banging on the door. And it is a stable boy saying Han says to come to the stables right now very urgently yes very upset obviously and, and then f- immediately turns around and runs yeah and Fitz recognizes that Hans wouldn't call him down except unless it was an emergency so he just throws on clothes and runs down as well following the boy and gets to the stables where everyone is yelling and he pushes to the front where Birik is standing calm down and no longer shouting 
well, not calm, I should say, yeah. but no longer shouting. And he arrives just in time to hear Hans explain that he had no choice but to give the horses away. And that Bjork would have had to do the same. Exactly. Bjork's face looked ravaged. His eyes were unbelieving, empty with shock. I know, he said after a moment. I know. He turned to look at me. Fitz, my horses are gone. He swayed slightly on his feet. It's just so sad, especially because we know what a hard journey it's been for him to get yeah. here. He finally gets home and all of a sudden realizes, uh, my stables are empty. Four of his mares, one of his uh, breeding horses, mm -hmm. and one of the mares was pregnant with someone with a foal that he really wanted to use. He had big plans for, apparently. Yes. So, or maybe three mares and one other horse. I don't know. Whatever it was. That's a At sizable least. chunk. Yeah, there could have been more sold by yeah, this time. There definitely could have been more. And that's only the horses. It's not even saying anything about the other stock that was sold off. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a little rough. That'd be a little rough. You're, you're pretty tired and beat up anyway. And then you come home and what you were expecting to be a happy, warm welcome is now turned into this dramatic scene because everything's gone. Yeah. Fitz, of course, is like, what What happened to the prince? Why are you here? What's going on? And Birk is confused because they sent messages ahead. And something should have gotten to Buckkeep. And once he realizes that nothing has gotten through, Birk is immediately kind of clamming up and saying, okay, well, this has to go to the king then. I have to report. Everyone else get back to work. Right. This isn't for gossip. And so... Everyone dissipates because Birk gave them an order and he runs a tight ship in the stables. <laughs> right. He's scary even when he's sad. Like fog in the sunlight, the workers dissipated. Asks Hans to carry for the horse and then Hans offers, you know, should I call for the healer? And Birk's like, no, I, I've always done on my own and that's good enough for me. Mm -hmm. And then out loud asks Fitz to give him his arm. In disbelief, I offered my arm, and Birk took it, leaning on me heavily. For the first time, I glanced down. What I had taken to be heavy winter leggings at first glance was actually a thick wrap of bandaging on his bad leg. He favored it, putting most of his weight on me as he limped along. I could feel the exhaustion thrumming through him. Up close, I could smell the sweat of pain on him. His clothing was stained and torn, his hands and face begrimed. This was as unlike the man I knew as anything I could imagine. Please, I said quietly as I helped him toward the castle. Is Verity all right? He gave me a ghost of a smile. You think our prince could be dead and I still be alive? You insult me. Besides, use your wits. You'd know if he was dead. Or injured. Wouldn't you? And Fitz knows he's talking of the skill link and kind of has to admit that it's very unreliable. I don't have a reliable talent in this skill, so I knew nothing of what has happened. Yeah. And Birk again says, okay, well, I have to report to the king then because mm -hmm. he doesn't know anything. He Verity told me that he would try to get the message to you so you could pass it along, but obviously nothing has worked out. Right, which really is interesting because... We always see Fitz being frustrated that he can't reach Verity and that he's so far away. 
And here we find out that Verity's probably feeling the same way. Yeah. That he's trying to reach Fitz, yeah. (laughs) And I wonder then if the times when Fitz is reaching out to Verity unsuccessfully, it's because he's too walled up. It makes me think that he and Chade should have had a long talk, or he and Verity should have had a long talk Mm -hmm. about how that would work and... Maybe, you know, Fitz has to sit in his room inhaling smoke for a night to get into like an open meditative trance so Verity and him can talk. Right. I don't know. Just arrange one time every two weeks or something just to get super high, connect (laughs) together, meditate a little bit, you know, so Fitz can be open and pass along any messages and knowledge he has well he doesn't even necessarily have to get high if he could just do what he did in ketrickin's room that one time where he opened himself up to the wit fully true but i don't know if that would work for the skill i don't know i feel like it will would be better than nothing i don't know but also that would be scary that kind of connection and openness would be scary because mm-hmm. it would allow everybody that's true to look at him including the coterie instead of like a tightly focused link with Faraday. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. I just wish they kind of were smarter about how they used the skill, or at least planned around it, mm-hmm. because it's their strongest weapon right now. Yeah. Is that Link? Yeah, it would be nice <laughs> if our boys thought. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I thought you were con- going to continue, but at the same time, you didn't need to, no. so... <laughs> So, on their way to the king, Fitz tries to explain to Beric that mornings aren't very good for the king because it's been a while and the king has gotten worse. And so he's trying to warn Beric. But Beric says that he'd rather report immediately at a bad time than delay information because I don't think he quite grasps what Fitz is talking about. Beric doesn't need to regularly report to the king. No. He probably hasn't seen him in his chambers for months and months and months. He only sees him at the dinner table when he comes down, mm-hmm. looks tired, leaves early, but... Exactly. And it's one thing to see somebody from a distance and hear that they're sick. Yeah. But it's a completely different thing to see it in person, which is what we see. So as they get to the door, nobody is there. There's nobody guarding the king. It's just the fool. And he lets them in, which I found really interesting because Fitz makes note that it was really easy to get in and then realizes it's because nobody is there, including Wallace. Yeah. Well, that that's been the case for a while. It's only been Wallace. Remember, the door guard has been missing for a long time. The doors just remained locked with Wallace on the inside being the bouncer. Right. This time it was very easy because Wallace wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) Which is interesting. Do you think that just means that Wallace isn't there that early in the morning or something else is going on here. Yeah, I think it was just just happenstance. I don't see any reason or any evidences to bring Wallace away or anything like that because his task is to care for the king. Right. And if he knows the time about when the king is waking up, he can set a schedule like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Did you think anything in particular that Wallace would have been doing or called away for? I don't know. I think I'm being overly suspicious because of Regal suspecting Chade. So (laughs) I'm like, there's some secret plot going on. They knew they'd be there. But I 
can't think of a reason why he would not be there besides it's just really early and he didn't expect to be needed. Yeah, Maybe nobody goes to visit him in the morning because they all know it's bad. So he's just being lazy or something. I don't know. And there's no way they could have known Birik was coming. So Well, that's the thing. Because did Verity really only send word to Fitz or did he try the Coterie too? I don't think he would tell that to the Coterie based on Birik's story right. and suspicions. But Birik seems super surprised that nobody knew. So it almost feels like... I feel like they sent pigeons. They had a couple people sent back with different messages, including the ones that he saw die. So I feel like of the couple options, nothing got got through. That's a fair point. So the fool lets them in and sees Beric there and is instantly very scared for what has happened to Verity. And the fool is making jokes here that just seem wrong to Fitz. Mm-hmm. I shall try to rouse him, though the way he has been of late, one might as well report to him sleeping as awake. He takes as much notice either way. Accustomed as I was to the fool's mockery, this still jarred me. The sarcasm bit wrong, for there was too much resignation in his voice. Burek looked at me worriedly. He whispered, What is wrong with my king? I shook my head at him for quiet and tried to get him to take a seat. I stand before my king until he bids me to be seated, he said stiffly. You are injured, he would understand. He is my king, that is what I understand. Which I thought was an interesting show that Beric is still Beric. Yeah, but also... (laughs) (laughs) I also think that shows how close... Fitz has become with the king without realizing it. Yeah. Because regular people would be like, no, I'm not sitting in front of the king before he tells me to. Right. And Fitz is like, why wouldn't you? He's just an old man. Like, (laughs) (laughs) There's not that same sense of reverence, I think, with Fitz. Not because Fitz doesn't trust Shrewd necessarily, but just because it's his grandpa and he's known him his whole life. And there is a level of closeness there, even if neither of them really acknowledge it fully. Yeah, and I wouldn't I wouldn't even go as far as saying, like, Fitz thinks of him as his grandpa. No. I would just think of, like, I attend my king often. This is what yeah. we do. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but I think the reason there's this, that lackness there is because Fitz is Shrewd's grandson. I don't think he would yeah. be... Yeah, he's part as, of the royal family, right. and that's yeah allows a little bit... Uh familiarity yeah so i don't know i just found that really interesting to show how far fitz has come in comfortability around the king without even realizing it and it's just such a little detail that if you look at it long enough you can be like oh whoa probably because it's the king (laughs) and normal people (laughs) don't want to sit in front of the king (laughs) right especially biric who is to the letter very proper yes so the fool comes out after a while and says he is not well it has taken me a time to make him understand who is here but he says he will hear your report in his chambers so they head into the king's bedchamber and it's filled with smoke Burek obviously notes that and wrinkles his nose in distaste and they lead uh, fool leads them over to the king's bed King is kind of sitting up a little bit in his bed with cushions behind him. And Fitz 
takes in this new look of Shrewd. He probably hasn't seen him for a little bit. He's tried to, uh, not as often as he's, as he's liked or would have liked to mm-hmm. over the past few days. But with Birik there being a new perspective, he just takes him in and sees the disease that is riddling through King Shrewd and wondering why he didn't see it before. I personally think the reason he hasn't seen it before is because he doesn't use his eyes. True, yeah, He just, 100%. He doesn't, I mean, he is an assassin and he can have a good eye for detail, but I think especially with people, he has a bad habit of just feeling them with the wit instead of looking at them. And guess who's next to him right now? Birik, who would, you know, yep. slap him for using the wit, so sub- uh-huh. probably subconsciously he's reeling himself in. And so then he has to use his eyes, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, whoa, this is way worse than yeah. I thought. <laughs> which may mean that he's got a strong life force still, which is potentially a good thing or bad thing, but not as strong as it once was, because clearly Fitz is still nervous for him. But Right. The general wasting of his body, the sour edge of his sweat, the yellow and the whites of his eyes, these were the least things I should have seen. The shock on Birik's face told me plainly that the change since Birik had last seen him was immense, but he covered it well and drew himself up straight. "'My king, I have come to report,' he said formally. Shrewd blinked slowly. "'Report,' he said vaguely, and I was not sure if he gave Birik an order or simply repeated the word. Birik took it as a command. He was as thorough and exact as he had always insisted I be. I stood and he supported his weight on my shoulder as he told of journeying with Prince Verity through the mountain snows, traveling always toward the mountain kingdom. He did not mince words, but spoke plainly. So Birik goes into his story here, and basically the journey was incredibly hard. Weather was bad. And even though they sent messengers ahead of them to arrange supplies and changes of horses and places to stay, all of the places that they stopped said they never got any messages, and so they received hardly a warm welcome at all. Right. And they professed that they had known nothing of Verity coming. In many cases, there were only servants to greet them. And this is all in the inland duchies. So. Yeah. It's unclear if these messages were sent ahead by the party themselves or were supposed to be sent ahead by Regal. Either way, I, even if notes were sent ahead, I think the Inland is so true to Regal that they wouldn't have prepared anything for Verity anyway. I feel as if they were sent ahead from Buckkeep in the seven days prior to his Mm -hmm. journey. And this is a Prince Humperdinck uh, situation here where he sends his four fastest ships to each of the corners of the world that's fair with a message and then later says and all of my fleet will be attending our wedding yep uh-huh. all except the four fastest right <laughs> of course naturally we sent those messages out <laughs> all of the messengers except for those four that were sent to those places you were going verity <laughs> yeah so i'm not super surprised just they're hostile towards him anyway yeah they talk about him as the pretender king sentiment is not very high for verity at the moment no you know but it is a little bold of the nobles to treat him so poorly 
considering he is still technically king in waiting. But he can't really do anything because he's on a quest and he right? can't like take right? official action. And uh, yeah. So the horses, they were not given extra horses. So the horses were kind of abused more than the men were, honestly. Mm-hmm. So they're probably extremely tired from journeying so far in bad weather already. And they have farther to go yet. Fitz notes that Birk is pretty much on the edge of exhaustion. He doesn't really know how he's standing up at the moment Mm because he can feel tremors running through him while he's speaking and standing straight and reporting to the king. Yeah. And this has to take a while. Yeah. I mean, he's going through a whole story in exquisite and excruciating detail as Birk taught Fitz how to do and, Mm -hmm. you know, Chade taught Fitz how to do and it's just the military way of reporting. Right. And then Virk gets to the part where they have been ambushed. So on the plains of Pharaoh, which is pretty notable because that's Regal's family's land, they were ambushed. And even though they didn't wear any Duke's colors, they were well-trained men who did not go after livestock that had been freed like normal bandits would. They wore no Duke's colors. They seemed well-dressed and well-armed for brigands. And Verdi was obviously their intended target. Mm -hmm. And when the group finally finds a place to take a stand, the men pursuing them flee because they realize that the men around Verdi would die before letting them attack Verdi. That is the only thing stopping them. And this is where the party splits apart. So Verity tells everyone who is injured and has survived they need to go back and tell the king. Well, Verity's not alone at this point. No. He he sends all the injured and two of the good men that are not injured back. Yes. To Buckkeep. And one of those was Keen. And I believe we've mentioned him the first time we were talking about who went with Verity, I think he was one of those uh, prince's guards. Mm-hmm. And he had written information that Verity entrusted to him. A note that Birk didn't know what it contained or anything like that, but he had a piece of paper from Verity that was going to go to the king. And they were ambushed again. The injured. The six people with him mm-hmm. died. He is the only one left. And... The only reason he's alive is because an arrow struck his horse, and because it was a young horse, it freaked out and fell into the river, carrying them both downstream. And when he returned, he found the bodies of his fellow men, and the paper's gone. And this was right on the the border of Buckkeep. He had heard Keen shouting to the others to ride that some must make it back to Buckkeep, but uh, Birk was the only one. Before Birk had left Verity, he does note that Verity's plan was to take the rest of his guard mm-hmm. to the Mountain Kingdom and then leave them there for Verity to continue alone to find the otherlings, wait for him there when he came back, when he came back through. Yes. So eventually, Verity will be heading off alone, and that is the plan for the moment. He makes his report, and there's silence for a while. Fitz mentions that 
he knows Birk is probably going to drink himself sodden that night. He's kind of wondering if he wants company. Because he knows that's how Birk deals with things. Yeah. It was a traumatic experience. He went through two battles. One where they seemingly won. And there was a solid decision from the prince in waiting. Or the king in waiting, excuse me, to send them back to safety. But then these guys come back again. And he witnesses a slaughter of his companions. And he's the only one to make it back alive. And then he realizes that none of the other messages made it through either. There's something obviously going on here. And Birk knows a little bit more than other people. So it worries him even more. Right. Also, I do want to point out that in the first attack, he says seven men and nine horses die. Yeah. So a total of 13 men are killed. Yeah. On this trip. That's so many people. And they're the reason they're killed is because they're supporting Verity, basically. Which is so sad. What like what needless bud bloodshed from a horrible wannabe king? Yeah. It's just so sad to think about. Definitely. And as it's heavily implied, we're we're saying that Regal sent ahead messages for these people to kill Prince Verity. Yes. That way Fitz's plan is actually correct, so the Coterie could say, oh yeah, Verity is dead. Mm-hmm. Prince Regal is now king-waiting. But interestingly, they haven't yet. Right. So I don't know what that's about. Because there probably wasn't confirmation. Well, he doesn't have to actually be dead. Right. But I think Regal is the kind of person who really wants him to be dead. That's fair. <laughs> That's a good point. Like, he would want that that step to happen before he continued on. Fair enough. Because he's still in the six duchies, technically. Yeah. And I guess you want to... At first I was like, well, then why would he let... He wouldn't let survivors come back to say they were attacked. But because it was in Pharaoh. And that has some pretty big implications of who it was. And if six or seven men are saying... Hey, at Pharaoh, a militarized group came and attacked us aiming for Verity. Mm-hmm. That's a lot more believable than one person saying it was definitely Regal's people, you know. Taking it even tinfoily further, Bright is at Buckkeep right now, Regal's cousin, heir to Pharaoh Duchy. Mm-hmm. If that attack did come to light, that Verity did die in Pharaoh. And it was brigands, quote-unquote, that did it. Mm-hmm. Blame, yes, shouldn't fall on the current duke or duchess of Pharaoh. However, if it did, no problem, because the person who is obviously not to blame because they are in buckkeep at the moment is the heir to Pharaoh and very close friend to Regal and can step in at any yeah. time. Sinister. Two kids who hate their parents enough to let them get killed. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> or at least have the Pharaoh Duke or Duchy resign out of embarrassment because right. the king in waiting died in their t- <laughs> true yeah. in their duchy. So the silence stretches for a while here, and Burek asks my king just just to see like what's going on because he reported everything in full and, and there's nothing that's happening. So King Shrewd finally kind of shifts and has a little bit of a 
a wandering memory slash lamentation about being young. Not necessarily incredible worry that Birik was kind of expecting. Yeah. He says, it reminds me of my younger days when I could sit on a horse and hold a sword. When a man loses that, well, once that is gone, he has actually lost far more than that. But your horse is all right? Like, dude, we just talked about 14 people dying, 13 people dying, yeah. and you're asking about my horse? Um, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. <laughs> Beric says, yeah, I did what I could for him. He'll be fine. And King Shrewd replies, well, at least there is that, then. At least there is that. King Shrewd paused. For a moment, we listened to his breathing. He seemed to be working at it. Go and get some rest, man, he said at last, gruffly. You look terrible. I may. He paused and took two breaths. I will call you back later, when you are rested. I am sure there are things to ask, his voice trailed off, and again he simply breathed. The deep breaths a man takes when the pain is almost too much to bear. I remembered what I had felt that night. I tried to imagine listening to Beric report while enduring such pain, and struggling not to show it. The fool leaned in over the king to look into his face. Then he looked at us and gave a tiny shake to his head. Come, I said softly to Beric. Your king has given you an order. He did not seem to care, Beric said quietly, carefully to me, as we moved laboriously down the corridor. He does. Trust me, he cares deeply. Obviously, that's extremely worrying yeah. to Beric. His report doesn't seem to be taken seriously. The concern right. wasn't in the right place. The king looks disinterested. Yes, he looks incredibly sick, but Beric doesn't know how much pain he's always in. He doesn't right. know how trapped his you know, cognizant mind is mm -hmm. within those layers of pain and drugs. Yeah. I think the king is trying. He knows he doesn't have enough energy to think through and answer everything now. It takes a lot longer now. And that's why he says, I will call you back. And I think that's good because he obviously recognizes the gravity of the situation, but clearly he doesn't fully grasp it yet. Right. And if you're Burek, you've ridden all this way. You're the only survivor. And you finally get to your king and he's like, oh, I wish I could still ride a horse. Like, <laughs> I don't think I'd be very excited either. And right. you just realize how bad things have gotten and things are all of a sudden not as sure. Yeah. I don't know. I would be worried if I were Burek too. After very weak Protesting from Beric, Fitz leads him to Fitz's room, puts him down in a chair where he asks for something to drink, and Fitz says, I have brandy. <laughs> Beric says, that cheap blackberry stuff you drink, I'd sooner drink horse liniment. I turn back to him, smiling. I might have some of that up here. He didn't react. It was as if he hadn't heard me. Fitz goes into... You know, healer caretaker mode. Caretaker mode, yeah. <laughs> yes, caretaker mode. And 
wishes for more herbs in his room again for the second time in a couple chapters here. Mm-hmm. He sees that there is no reply to Birik when he says he's going to go out and get some things, some food, that sort of thing. He feels close to his skin, not even touching him, and he can feel the fever and looks at his leg. He wondered what had happened to his leg this time. An injury atop an old injury and then traveled on. It would not be soon healed, that was plain to me. I hurried out of my rooms. He interrupts Sarah, uh, Cook Sarah, making some pudding, and asks for some food for an extremely hungry Birik. Yes. In his room because he just got back from traveling, and Sarah drops everything immediately, passes over the pudding to somebody else to whip up a veritable feast. Yes. He also asks for two clean buckets of hot water. Right, yes, because he knows he he needs to change the dressing on his leg. Yes. But that just goes to show that little little lines there, that it's, that that Beric has a great reputation around the castle and is well-respected. Yeah, people are dropping everything to help. I know Fitz is in the royal family, but he's also remarked before that Cook Sarah doesn't treat him like that, and he right. will, she will not hesitate to say, hey, take this tray of food up and then uh-huh. <laughs> treat him like a servant. But right. when Birik is injured and super hungry and he came back from traveling, instantly is doing, food getting whipped up. Yeah, and, not making any snide comments on Fitz ordering people around in the kitchen, Right, just doing it so he can go to the next thing he has to do. Which is going to the stables. Yeah. Um, he tells Hans that Bjork is probably going to stay in his room for a while, in Fitz's room for a while, and then heads up to Bjork's chambers to see if he has any anything left that could help any salves. And he seems very nostalgic, this chapter, because again, we have a moment of retrospection. He's standing in the middle of Bjork's room he notes how it's musty because it's been closed up for so long and he'll have to make a note to make sure somebody comes up and lights a fire and opens windows. But he stands in this room that he grew up in and just kind of lets himself feel the emotions of being in this room. And then he leaves. He has more places to go. Yep. There's no dried herbs anymore because beer cleans up everything probably for the winter and he knew it wasn't really going to be back. Mm-hmm. grabs a pot of salve and he just can't stand to be in that empty room anymore because too many memories of you know nosy of the wit and all that sort of thing just right. kind of gets to him next he goes to patience's door he still needs the herbs yeah and he knows and he that knows patience will definitely have some lacy answers it obviously and uh instantly asks what's wrong because Fitz is probably in a, not necessarily panicked, but he can't have a good look on his face at this no. point. He's worried about his dad. 100%. <laughs> and he tells them that Bjork is back, he's hurt, and he he's out of healing herbs and is wondering if they might have any. Did you send for the healer? I hesitated. Bjork has always liked to do things his own way. Indeed he has. It was Patience, entering the sitting room. What's that madman done to himself now? Is Prince Verity all right? Fitz goes into a little uh, little spiel of briefly what has happened, that they were attacked. Beric is the only one to make it back okay. Patience asks, was the journey back so difficult? 
It was cold and treacherous. Little hospitality was offered along the way. But the men died when they were ambushed by archers just across the buck border. Birk's horse carried him off into a river. They were swept downstream quite a ways. It was probably the only thing that saved him. How was he hurt? Now Patience was moving too. She opened a little cupboard and began to take out prepared salves and tinctures. His leg, the same one. I don't know exactly, I haven't looked at it yet, but it won't take his weight. He can't walk by himself, and he has a fever. Well, what are you standing about for? She snapped at me as I waited. Go back to your room and see what you can do for him. We'll be up in a moment with these. I, I kind of want to go through the little progression here of yeah. Patience's attitudes towards this situation. Obviously, she probably hears Lacey open up the door and answer and Fitz talking. Uh-huh. And here's Birk has been injured. We need stuff. And then instantly it's, what has that madman done? Mm-hmm. He's crazy. What? Just, you know, go on his way. He's probably something stupid. Yeah. And then remembers that the prince was with him. Is all like, is Prince Verity okay? Uh-huh. And Fitz explains a little bit that they were attacked, that the prince is okay, but Birk is got injured in that. And then she's a little bit more concerned, mm-hmm. digging for more stuff. And the, the moment that she hears that he is the only survivor of this and kind of made his way back here, she's extremely concerned, also gets moving to collect more herbs. Yes. Because Lacey was the previously the only one, only one collecting healing things before right. that and then snaps at Fitz to get on his way to like tend no to Beric later yes. so she cares deeply for him but it takes a bit to get her moving because right. she needs to know it's serious first mm-hmm. and she also her first thing after she realizes that he was the only survivor is what's wrong because she now needs to know what she's looking for for her herbs right yeah. it's very clear that she's turned off of well, how bad could it have been to, okay, what's the injury that we're treating? <laughs> yeah. It's just a little interesting progression to to lead up to the scenes that they have later when she's actually treating his leg. Mm-hmm. So Fitz heads back, sees that people are starting to gather around his room, the buckets of water are there, food is, you know, getting there, Patience and Lacey show up, and Patience comes in and... Fitz remarks that she has a familiarity that astounded him. Patience felt his forehead, then searched under the angle of his jaw for swelling. She crouched slightly to look into his sleeping face. Burr? She queried quietly. He did not even twitch. Very gently, she stroked his face. You are so thin, so worn, she grieved softly. She damped a cloth in warm water and gently wiped his face and hands as if he were a child. Then she swept a blanket off my bed and tucked it carefully about his shoulders. She caught me staring at her and glared at me. I need a basin of warmed water, she snapped. It's so tender, so cute. Yeah. They obviously do care for one another underneath their prickly exteriors and obvious fights about things. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's what happens a lot of the time. They had very strong feelings for one another in the past. Didn't part amicably, really. Right. I'm sure Patience thought it was unjust. Mm-hmm. An unjust parting. However, they have still that history, and they still respect one another, and they still have the things that 
you know, they can connect to each other and they share in common. Yeah. Like herbs. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's definitely something still there. I don't think it's enough to rekindle a relationship with. No, no. But it is that old care. Because really, when you care for someone deeply, parts of that don't go away. And I think, especially someone who technically has never been a horrible person to her. I mean, it's really awful the way he kind of broke up with her. But other than a ter- being terrible at breakups... He's not a bad person. He doesn't no. do bad things. He's not evil in any sense of the word. Because even though that breakup would have hurt emotionally, she couldn't really fault him for it. Yeah. It's basically just saying you're too stuck up and stuck in your ways. Yeah. Like you you promised to one person before you can promise to me. So you don't want to break that promise. Whatever. You're stupid, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not as though he was like, you so dumb. Like, <laughs> he wasn't a jerk about it. He just, they're different people. And I think especially when you grow apart in that way, it's really easy to still have care in your heart and to still worry about the other person's well-being, even if you're still, you still disagree about whatever in your past. So it's good to see her acknowledge that she worries about him still. Um, but, but also, when he wakes up, the right exterior back. is turned back on. <laughs> right back. Very antagonistic and confrontational in the way that they address each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she basically says, you know, you should have kept this clean. You should have put fresh bandages on it. And Birk's like, oh, I didn't have any. Did you want me to wash it and then freeze my leg off? Would that have been better? <laughs> And Vince interrupts like, him with food. Uh-huh, getting between the parents, <laughs> like, okay, here's some food. <laughs> and Birik digs in. He yeah. He's obviously starving. He's on the edge of his strength because his hands are shaking immediately when he grabs the milk, when he's eating. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Patience in the middle of that saying, don't gulp that. But he just kind of ignores her and Patience, or excuse me, Fitz and Lacey are both like shooting them glances like, Quit trying to yell at each other. Uh-huh. He's sick. <laughs> so, as he's eating, Lacey asks, what happened to your leg? And we find out that he was hit by an arrow, and it lodged into the bone, which is also right where the exact spot where his original injury was, which yep. is super bad luck. And so Verity himself had to dig the arrowhead out of his leg, which it is really gross. Yeah. Um, I yeah. do not like that imagery. Thank you, Robin Hobb. <laughs> but <laughs> he says, and every time I bent my knee, it pulled open and bled some more. He said faintly, you should have kept that leg still. Patience observed sagely. So probably like, ah, oh, you should have kept the leg still then. Yeah. <laughs> All three of us stared at her. Oh, I suppose you couldn't, really. <laughs> at least she's taking steps to be less hostile. <laughs> Leave it. I'll see to it myself after I've eaten. After you've eaten, you'll rest, Patience informed him. Lacey, please move aside. To my amazement, Burek said nothing more. So she cuts away the, the bandage that was on there and is slowly cleaning the injury. And everybody is kind of visibly relaxing as it's getting cleaned because it's not as bad as they originally thought it could be. It's still, 
you know, one edge is a little bit infected. It's some swelling, some redness to it, but it's not actual, you know, gangrene or yeah. anything that will kill him. He's not going to have to lose the leg. Right. He, he's going to be okay. So they have a discussion here about different herbs and what poultice they might need. And Birik has Fitz fetch his salve that he grabbed from his room. Mm-hmm. And they have a little discussion about that, which is fun to look into what their relationship would have been like mm-hmm. or what it probably was and their discussions about the different herbs that they use to treat different things mm-hmm. and both of them agreeing oh yeah that could work too and yeah it's a nice little truce moment where they're almost able to be at least friends again for, yeah. for just a moment and it's really nice to see them setting aside their angry feelings at each other right to be friendly he kind of passes out after that and he doesn't really have much more energy to do anything and ketrickin shows up with rosemary this makes fitz feel super bad because he realized if he didn't tell her then nobody would so he should have thought to tell her sooner one of my ladies told me there was a rumor Birik had returned and she wants to know about verity yeah Pretty desperately, because Birik is hurt. Yep. <laughs> what, what has happened to my husband? Uh-huh. And Fitz reassures her that Verity is fine and ushers her in. Explains pretty much the whole report that Birik said to Shrewd. Yes. And then, you know, assures her that Verity was fine moving towards the kingdom, the mountain kingdom. And she is very thankful for that because she says... Thank all our gods that he draws closer to my mountains. There he will be safe from men at least. Which I thought was an interesting comment. Shows her, you know, having more awareness about the dangers in Buckkeep. Yes. Or in the six duchies as a whole, I suppose. And realizes that that kind of treachery and corruption doesn't really spread in the mountain kingdom. Yeah. Or at least not that animosity for personal harm to King Verity. Right. King Waiting Verity. But I also wanted to mention the Thank All Our Gods yeah. part. Uh, Ida and El, of course. But also that uh, the one god that was mentioned once in the first book uh-huh. in the Mountain Kingdom. I don't remember what it was called, but it was something with like CH, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember either. Oh, now you're putting me on the spot. But I thought but, that was like yeah. our, our second obscure mention of different gods besides just Ida yeah. and El and then eventually Saw. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting how there is religion spread out throughout the different places um, and they all are seen differently. Mm-hmm. I don't know that about any religions mentioned with Chalcid. I can't think of any, like, none come to mind Not unique ones that I can remember. I think they just use Ida and L still. Yeah. I but, could be wrong. Yeah, and definitely people in jean or no, that's Mountain Kingdom. People in, I was thinking Satrap. Um, uh, Jamalia? Jamalia. People in Jamalia know of Ida and L. Yeah, but they recognize that Ida and El are probably just different faces of Saw. The yes. many the many face god? Yes. 
Okay. Saw has always got his eyes on you. I didn't know if the many-faced god was what I lifted from Game of Thrones, or if that was <laughs> the actual title in these books as well. No, I don't know if that's his actual title, but I know that uh, Winthrop. Winthrop. Why? Winthrop. Winthrop. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Winthrop talks Wintrow. about... Oh my goodness. Winthrop talks about... What a the weird many name. faces, right? Who names their kid Wintro? But someone who names their other kid Selden and then Malta. <laughs> Selden of all the names, I feel like Selden is the sadder. <laughs> I don't know, but it's pretty close to Sheldon, to be fair. Yeah, which automatically makes me think of the Big Bang Theory. So then I'm like, ooh, Selden looks like Sheldon. <laughs> Oof, poor Selden. So. She does not subscribe necessarily, unless she's talking. I think she's just being inclusive and just like, yeah. wow, thank everyone possible. Yeah, that anybody up he'll there, he'll be safe. Thank yeah. you. And then she tries to help. She talks about a mixture she knows that could help the injury. To which patients shyly responds, "I have heard of that," which is funny after we just saw her be such a force of nature coming in and badgering a man who is clearly weary and sick and then the queen shows up and she's like oh yeah that's a good idea like (laughs) it's just so opposite of how we just saw her but it's funny to see the contrast and in that response patience mentions that another another good option for it would be raspberry leaf and slippery elm or as a poultice lacy reminds her that they have no more raspberry leaf the damp got into it somehow and it molded and ketrakin responds i have raspberry leaf if you are in need of it i had prepared it for a morning tea it was a remedy my aunt taught me she looked down and smiled oddly oh lacy asked in sudden interest Oh, my dear, Patience suddenly exclaimed. She reached to take Ketrickin's hand with a sudden strange familiarity. Are you sure? I am. At first I thought it was just... But then I began to have the other signs. Some mornings, even the smell of the sea can make me so miserable. And all I want to do is sleep. But you should, Lacey exclaimed with a laugh. As for the queasiness, it passes after the first few months. I stood very still. Foreign, excluded, forgotten. All three women suddenly laughed together. No wonder you were so anxious to have word of him. Did he know before he left? I did not even suspect it then. I so longed to tell him, to watch his face. You're with child, I said stupidly. (laughs) They all turned to look at me and then burst out laughing anew. It's a secret still, Ketrickin cautioned me. I want no rumors before the king has been told. I want to be the one to tell him. It's cute. Yeah. It, this is a cute moment. And also... It just enhances the sadness. Yeah. I think it's really interesting to watch Patience be so excited for her. Yeah. Um, we know Patience has struggled with her fertility and that it isn't something that she likes to think about. It is a sensitive topic. And it could have been written here that she gets all judgy and weird or jealous or moody. And instead she's happy for Ketrickin. And I really like that. Instantly breaks through her shy barrier and Mm -hmm. grabs her hand and is so excited for her. And I just think it's really sweet to see 
a woman who all she ever wanted was to have her own child be so excited that that catcher can gets to have that and i don't know i just really thought that was really sweet (laughs) it 100 percent is and they're all so happy and excited. They're like, patience oh, good. is the best. <laughs> you know, patience is like already in her head. Like, okay, what baby gifts am I gonna get? And <laughs> <laughs> what am I gonna teach the baby first? How to read clay tablets or, or yeah, maybe the seed bagpipe? And I don't know. I just imagine her trying to pick up knitting so she could try to knit some socks and the stopping halfway through. Like, it's just I don't know. It's a cute scene. Asking Lacey to teach her how to tat lace or something. Uh Uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. Fitz assures her that he's not going to tell Verity at all. And he also says, I did not tell her that the fool already knew and had known for days. Verity's child, I thought to myself. A sudden strange shivering raced over me. The branching of the path that the fool had seen. The sudden multiplying of possibilities. One factor emerged above all others. The sudden removal of Regal pushed one more step away from the throne. One more small life standing between him and the power he craved. How little he would care for that. Of course not, I repeated more heartily. This news is best kept an absolute secret. For once it was out, I had no doubt that Ketrikin would be in as much danger as her husband. And Rosemary heard all this. Yep. He already knows. Mm-hmm. Which is so sad. Because I would not want him to know about it anyway. But, I mean, he'll <laughs> yeah. eventually learn no matter what. Right. Like, even if he didn't have a spy, he would have had to find out eventually. Especially when she starts showing. <laughs> but, yeah... I don't love Rosemary being the spy. It makes me sad. So this is a very hard time for Beric. He gets essentially crippled a second time in the same leg after he had gotten used to his previous injury. Mm-hmm. And now it's even worse than before. He realizes that his king is very declined. Mm-hmm. And it didn't seem to care about his report or his son getting attacked or his men dying. Yep. And Fitz is kind of caught in between multiple different things here. He He's trying to protect, and Chade agrees with him, that he has to protect, you know, Ketrikin, the fool, himself, Molly even, more than before because Regal is potentially trying to gather power. Mm-hmm. And eliminate those steps that block him in that power gathering. Chade is getting suspected of being alive. Yep. Things with Molly are seemingly good, but he doesn't know what happened. <laughs> and Yeah. It's just, it's really spiraling out of anything that Fitz can possibly control at this point. Yeah. Up to a few chapters ago, Fitz was relatively in control of what his actions and what he could do. Obviously, he was getting used for bigger means. He was sent on the ships to fight the Red Ship Raiders. He was sent out to kill the Forged Ones. It was for a bigger vision. But things are happening and kind of spiraling out of his realm of his realm of control. Mm-hmm. Things are happening to him rather than him being sent out to fix things. 
and it really really is going to go downhill and it's sad to see these moments of happiness like the the Ketrakin and Patience and Lacey all laughing together because we know what happens yeah yeah this is a dangerous time thank you so much for listening in look forward to hearing from you in the future and look forward to hearing all your thoughts and your questions for us if you have anything to say directly to us you can reach out and talk to us at isfitshappy at gmail.com message us on instagram twitter facebook or reddit at isfitshappy just let us know what you're thinking Okay, so this week we have just a little short conversation. We want to thank everybody who has reached out this week or said something to us. We always appreciate hearing them. And today we're going to talk about something that a listener called Benjamin wrote in about a theory about B, which this is very in the future, but it was a very interesting idea. So we wanted to kind of talk about it. Definitely. Even though it doesn't have anything to do with this chapter or previous ones, we still like, we, you know. It is mentioning the the spectrum of magic that we've been talking about as yes. well. So I, I think it does fit in in a general world building sense to get more of a, you know, an idea yeah. of what's going on. And, and it's a very interesting topic. Yeah. And so the idea sent in by Benjamin was uh, they think that B is their own catalyst. Not only is B witted, skill, and a white, but she has a complete conjunction of all the magics that exist in the world. Even though it's stated that no one can be in scrolls and legends, I believe she'd, if given the opportunity and interest, be able to scry like Chade has been shown and any of the hedge magics. Yeah. In the books, in the last trilogy, I know it's mentioned, and it says here in the post that Prilkop says that she can't be, you can't be your own catalyst, basically. Mm-hmm. But she also affects changes. Yeah. In a way, she sees the future where, or the opportunity where she can free her tongue and takes action to see that that happens, and yeah. then she's able to talk after that. We see examples of that happen. And I know there's there's definitely discussions on who is B's catalyst, and some people have said Dwalia, and mm. there, there's just some things around that. And I really think the, the one who sticks by her to continually affect changes is herself. Right. So I've always kind of agreed with that theory, and I really like that. Right. I know whites can have multiple catalysts, and I think before I'd say Dwalia is her catalyst, I would say that it would be, uh, oh, Taller man's son, or not taller man? That's the just series. the just the guy that works in the stables. Yeah, the kid her age. Yeah, perseverance. He's not by her ever really, except at the beginning. But because of her interaction with him and her saving him, yeah. he leads Fitz to help destroy. But she also the gets sick after making big changes herself. She gets sick on the ride. Yeah. 
due to things that she's done. Right. That's no. what I'm saying. Like, I that's th- <laughs> yeah, I think she is also her own catalyst, but I think that a little bit Percy might be her cat- one of her catalysts. Too. I think that's what Benjamin is is kind of saying that yeah. she can do everything though. Yeah, she could direct For other sure. people to make changes. She can make changes herself. And it's really interesting that he points out that she could, you know, learn any magic mm-hmm. possible. Where if you think of like the the magic spectrum or the magic wheel that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. skill and wit are kind of next to each other, right. I would guess. And the other magics that we don't know too much more about, I would guess scrying is more towards the opposite end of the opposite of wit. Mm-hmm. And closer to skill. And yeah. it kind of like completes in a wheel and hedge magic is closer to wit um, than scrying. And yeah. it just kind of creates a circle. She would be more in the center of everything rather than on the outside of that wheel. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thought. I like it because I think B is very capable of a lot of things. Um, if she just had any training at all. <laughs> Right. She could be so powerful. But we also know that she is there to end the line of the whites. So for all we know, she's going to be the last one. Could definitely be. Mm -hmm. It'll still live on with her if she has children with anybody. Right. But yeah, the at least the organization and the concentrated bloodlines that they have bred Mm -hmm. there. It's going to take a long time for another white to come around yeah. with all of the, the dilution, I guess. Right. If you destroy those inbred lines that Clarice made. Mm-hmm. No, it's definitely a, a very interesting topic. B is such an interesting character to me. I know a lot of people didn't like reading from her point of view. I've, One of them is me. Yeah. I, I've seen a lot of uh, complaints about that online but i find her very interesting um she's a lot like her father in many ways including being very stubborn i think no i i know i'll like her more the second time around when i'm looking at it more analytically Mm -hmm. but when i'm reading through that series for the first or the second time as an enjoyment or a going along for the story Uh her points of view just infuriate me and She's a literal child. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's yeah, jumping from a 60 year old man who obviously infuriates you to a literal child who is the son or the well, the the lost son. Yes, the daughter of Fitz yeah. in every shape, way, and form of inheriting the the personality. Uh huh. Just jumping from the the maturation that Fitz has gone through and the development to that child view yeah. again is very frustrating. And yeah. I think that's why I really didn't like it just from a storytelling point, but going into it, you know, rereading everything and reviewing everything in depth, like we're doing, I think I'll enjoy it more and we'll get more depth out of it. Yeah. I guess I really liked her because it feels like we learn so much about the fool through her and get a better insight as to what his magic is. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed. I think that's why I liked her so much. It wasn't necessarily because I didn't get super frustrated with all of her choices, but I was excited to learn how magics worked because that really interests me. <laughs> I think I also didn't like her point of view because it was very repetitive for a while. 
mm-hmm. when she was captured, and we were missing out on Fitz, you know, Doing almost dying, yeah. chasing after people, visiting the magic kingdom that we were just in for, you know, the Rainwald Chronicles, and seeing how <laughs> that has progressed, and right. it just jumps over to B, who is in the middle of a field, being treated horribly with snow, and having, you know, the Whites and the Chalced warriors fighting over control. Right. And that was for, like, a whole book. So I think that that also frustrated me. Yeah, that's fair. Just my little monkey brain wanting more action. (laughs) So thank you, Benjamin, and everyone else who reached out. It is always a joy to hear from all of you. Yeah, I saw a post on the Robin Hobbs subreddit about this topic as well. So take a look at that. There are some really interesting conversations on all of the different topics that people bring up on that as well. That's robinhop.reddit.com. And there's really interesting topics that, that come up on there. Yeah, it's really fun uh, to interact with people who are at all different stages. It's really fun to see the frustration of new readers on the on Reddit and how they're like, I don't understand this thing. What does this mean? And it's like, oh, just you wait. <laughs> it gets worse and better. And yeah. yeah, so we definitely you definitely have to be careful of spoilers. There is a strict spoiler policy, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. You need to keep everybody going into it fresh. So just be aware of that. Read the rules before you post. <laughs> um, it is strictly enforced, which is, again, a good thing. But yeah, just so you're aware. So thank you guys for reaching out. And I look forward to your theories for next week. <laughs>